friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. But we're doing things slightly different today. Uh, but that's okay. You guys are extremely flexible, and one of the, the best things is, is keeping things a little fresh that way. Uh, that way God can always do something new in our hearts. So um, in order to orient you to what we're going to do, I first have to tell you about this. I love a good before and after. How about you? I love a good before and after. There's just something about seeing something that looks like it was broken down, distressed, depressed, and was never going to be fixed, brought to a new life. I mean, rejuvenation in nearly any form is just beautiful. And um, I mean, I just love seeing houses flipped, yards mowed, and teeth straightened after years and years of braces. There's just something about it, isn't there? It just makes your brain go, yes, that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, um, I was looking online as I was thinking about before and afters, because that will be the theme of our service today, before and afters. And I found a BuzzFeed article. Are you familiar with BuzzFeed? Uh, they're hilarious. Look them up. They, they fa- had an article on before and afters, and here are a few that are, uh, are interesting to me. Uh, a strawberry pie before and after baking. Right. Uh, this, so this is not an ugly before, but it is not the one I would want to eat. This is the one I would want to eat. I don't even like strawberries and I want to eat that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. How about the next one? An oven before and after cleaning. Any of my OCD and borderline perfectionist friends have a heart problem there. Yeah, that is filthy. But that I'd eat off that. I'd eat that strawberry pie right off that oven right there. Uh, how about the next one? Okay, now this one's hilarious. Abraham Lincoln before and after the Civil War. <laughs> Look at those wrinkles. You see those bags under there? Oh, bless his heart. I, he must have been under a little bit of stress. Just a tad. All right, the next one. If you're squeamish, look away. Um, scoliosis surgery before and after. I Okay, I've heard of this before, but I mean, pictures don't lie. Look at that x-ray. That is, I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, That's horrendous. And then finally, here's another one. To me, this is the most dramatic. Look at this. This is right after the bomb was dropped in Hiroshima, Japan. And this is 2020. Would you even think that could lead to that? It's like some of those weight loss commercials. You're like, I don't think that's the same guy. You know? Some before and afters are just that vivid. And they got to be. Because you've got to visualize the awful before in contrast to the awesome after. And that's what we're talking about today is those awesome afters, especially the awesome afters. Do you have a before and after story? Of course you do. You have big ones and small ones and everything in between. So just to orient you for today, we're going to have a few of those before and after stories shared with us in church today. So uh, I've asked one person that I think many of you already know from around the gathering, Brent Jones, to share a 10-minute testimony before and after story. And then I've also sh- uh, asked somebody else, someone that I think all of you might know, and that is my wife, Hannah, uh, to give a 10-minute testimony before and after as well. Um, and then also, uh, just to, if, as if that wasn't enough to throw you off track, Aaron Paula 
from Heirs of Grace Church is going to be leading singing for us today. Uh, so we're very excited to have Aaron with us. It's going to be a wonderful service, and it's going to be a celebration. So you feel free to clap. If you got one of those little party horns and you want to, you know, whatever you want to do that helps you praise God in this, this moment. So before that, we're going to do a call to worship, and then we'll hand it over to Aaron. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Good morning. Uh, well, what do you think thus far? If you're not encouraged, then you're not paying attention. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I didn't get to hear much of Hannah's. I uh, had to take care of baby boy, but he's an, an he's an after. We know about you now. Yeah. Oh, see, I was going to ask, you know, I was treading cautiously. Uh, and thank you. Thank you, Brent. Uh, that was wonderful. You're a poet, man. You got away with words. Uh, the, the phrase I wrote down, career of apostasy. That is inspired right there, man. Let me tell you. And hey, alcohol and whatever might have made you less shy and brought you out of your shell. But hey. That's still there even if you're sober because uh, God has redeemed that part of you and we're so glad he did because uh, you have been a blessing to me thus far in the short time I've been here. Thank you for sharing your story. Thanks to Hannah. She's off in the closet feeding. Um, but thank you both. We rejoice with you for the before and afters. Aaron, thank you. Uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. And you'll have one more song after this. Um, all right, I've already put my cards on the table. You already know kind of what I'm thinking about this text this morning. Uh, before and afters. There's no mystery for me to solve for you. It's just one that we can dwell on together a little bit more. Um, if you noticed in the text, Psalm 126, those first two verses point to the past. When the Lord had restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouth was filled with laughter. This is past tense. Something that has already happened. Israel was in exile. Jerusalem was in ruins. The people of God were either carted off as slaves or slaughtered. But then, but then, that was the before. Then God restored the fortunes of Zion. Israel laughed and shouted for joy to the point that the nations see the redemption of Israel and go, Whoa, can you believe what God has done in the life of Israel? Testimonies have a way of making other people do that, don't they? Wow, can you believe what God has done in the life of Brent? Wow, can you believe what God has done in the life of Hannah? Wow, can you believe what God has done in the life of fill in the blank? Any one of us. Big things and small things. When others see our testimonies. And you know... Um, I think that our evangelism and our discipleship would be a lot stronger if we focused on that part right there. The, the uh, good news of the proclamation, not the bad news in the information. Because how many times do I hear the gospel presented and it's all bad news? I mean, gospel means good news, right? Like, why do I hear gospel presentation after gospel presentation that's trying to scare the hell out of people to scare the people out of hell? You know what I'm saying? I mean... I, to me, the good news is so much more compelling than any of the bad news ever could be. And the good news, especially when you make it personal, when you say, yeah, it's good news, but let me tell you, it was really good news for me and my family, and here's why. And here's how it could be for you as well, to make it personal. Do you notice that little phrase uh, in verse 1? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. We were like those who dreamed. You remember that prophets in Scripture are often called dreamers. They're the ones that have dreams and see visions. And what do prophets do with their dreams and visions? They proclaim them to the people. They share them. In other words, they testify. They give a before and after. Better than that, they 
live a before and after because it is one thing to say it and we do need to say it, but it's another thing to live it and walk it and let people see it. And there are plenty of testimonies that are testified without ever saying a word. There are plenty of testimonies that are lived in our flesh. And then notice verse four. This is the part where it all switches. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. Did you notice it's not in the past tense anymore? They're not remembering a before and after. They're asking for a before and after right now. Restore our fortunes. I know you can do it. I've seen you do it. Do it again, God. The first three verses are the psalmist saying, look, you've done awesome things. Now here we are. Do it again. Please, oh God, do it again. We know you can. Show up and give us another before and after. And um, do you notice all the agricultural imagery in there? All the stuff about crops and harvest and all that. Um, Israel was, as you can imagine, an agricultural society. If they didn't get the rain, they didn't get the crop. And if they didn't get the crop, they might not eat. And if they didn't eat, they might die. They're an agricultural society. Everything is based around that, which is why Israel was so often tempted to worship false gods, especially one you've heard of, Baal, who is a storm god. That is the one who sends the rains and makes the land fertile so that they'll have a good crop. They want a good crop, so they might be tempted to worship Baal. But uh, I love the language here. It's, it's just beautiful, isn't it? Um, those who sow in tears, may they reap in shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. They're going to come home with quite the bounty. And you know what I hear in that? God is not going to waste a single thing. He is not going to waste a single tear or a single pain or a single anything because he can use all things for the good of those who love him. And not just he can, he will use all things to the good of those who love him. And even those black marks on our soul, even those things we've done that we wish we hadn't of, in some strange roundabout way can still serve to bring glory to God when we tell about him. Isn't that amazing? That's just the God we serve because he's working all things so that those who sow in tears will reap in shouts of joy. I guess you don't always reap what you sow, huh? And praise God you don't because we serve a good God. I don't always want to reap what I sow. Um, I heard a story one time about this uh, preacher who had a couch in his office and he was cleaning one day and he flipped the middle cushion up and saw a big pink uh, nail polish stain right there in the middle. And it's not me. I didn't put it there. Uh, so he starts questioning others. Nobody else on staff had used his office. So, of course, he goes to the family. And so he asks his daughters. And uh, he asks them one by one. He gets to the middle child. And she's just like on the verge of tears. And she's like, okay, I'm sorry. And she, she bursts. Yes, okay. I know you said not to paint my nails on your couch in your office. But I did it anyway. And I spilled the bottle. I didn't know what to do. So I flipped over the cushion. You know how it goes. Well, uh, of course, he was, you know, upset, but he said, well, it's not the biggest thing in the world. You flipped it over. I didn't even notice. Um, you're grounded for a week. It's okay. I still love you. It could be worse. And then um, one day at church, uh, he was finishing up, you know, his duties and, and whatever about a couple weeks later. And he walks in and his daughter's standing in his office. And he's like, great, she's had it again. She's going to spill more nail polish. But no, she's got a friend with her in there. She's holding up the couch cushion and she's saying, yeah, look what I did. And dad loves me anyway. And then he said, yeah, that'll preach. <laughs> that'll preach. 
so we can follow the lead of our pilgrim forefathers and our pilgrim foremothers, and we can ask God, do it again. Yes, we celebrate those before and afters that he has already done, but we also say, God, do it again. The old hymn says, revive us again, O Lord. Do it again, God. We've seen what you can do so that let these circumstances I'm in now, no matter how bleak, no matter how awful or dark they seem, make these circumstances I'm in now the new before and that glorious future you've got planned for me. Make that the new after. Because I know that you're a God of before and afters. Before it was all just the Sahara Desert. And afterwards it was a water park that would make Six Flags blush with shame. Before it was heartache and heartbreak, but now it's freedom and joy and growth. Before it was punishment and now it's reward. Before it was death and after it is life because of Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God for those before and afters. We have something to celebrate. And it's by that celebration that we're strengthened for our journey as pilgrims. It's so easy to get discouraged on the pilgrim path, isn't it? It's so easy to get bogged down by some things. Some things that are truly just some real problems and some things that are just peripheral things that we let get in the way. But either way, it's easy to get bogged down as we're on our pilgrim path to God. But it's by remembering those before and afters. Where we have been reminds us of where we can go. And by reminding ourselves of where any one of us have been, we can remind ourselves where we are going. Um, I don't think it's um, a small thing that Paul says in the New Testament, encourage one another daily, daily. Maybe, just maybe, if he saw social media and the news cycle, he might say, encourage one another minutely. I don't know. Maybe it's in the Greek, just trust me. We need that frequent encouragement to keep us on this pilgrim path, and that's why we meet together so often. That's why we get together for Tuesday night Bible class, Thursday night Bible class, Wednesday church. Uh, That's why we do small groups. That's why we meet together for meals. That's why we're always in each other's presence because we need that. We need that encouragement. And part of it is just having people with you. That's part of it. And it makes it easier just having other people there. But more than that, it's celebrating what has already happened and looking forward, telling each other our before and afters or as we often hear it called, your God story. What's your God story? What's your before and after? Um, You know that joy is the word that is used to characterize the disposition of a true follower of Jesus. You're aware of this. You know what that means. If you don't have a deep and tangible joy, then you're not discipled to Jesus. You're discipled to some watered-down version of Jesus that you've been handed by somebody. Jesus does not give us a, a burden that is heavy. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, we pick up our cross and follow Jesus. But man, for some reason, it's never felt so good. There is joy in following Jesus. That's the tangible spirit of a disciple of Jesus. And if there's anything less, it's some other image of Jesus you're following and not Jesus. Because he always leads us on a path of joy. One of the best ways to experience that joy of Jesus is to share in what he has done for each one of us. And let me tell you, it can be small things as well as big things, okay? I mean, if we only ever hear big, grandiose testimonies, then, I mean, what's to stop? Uh, why isn't God doing something in my life? And if we only ever hear the small things, it's like, well, it seems kind of inconsequential. But if we hear all of what God has done, and he works on the big and the small, 
He works in every area of our lives, which is why I say we need all the God stories. Everything from God gave us a really great parking spot at HEB right when we needed it because we had a screaming kid in the back to God literally brought me back from death to life. We need all those and everything in between because God does work in both those places. He works in the HEB checkout line just as much as he works at the soup kitchen, as much as he works in the maternity ward or anywhere else. God is at work doing miracles all around us, small and big and middle. And it's time that we appreciate them, call them what they are, and celebrate them. Um, There was a a little phrase I heard several years now. Uh, It was from one of those creative youth minister types. You know the type. And he, he had this phrase that he liked to say, and it really stuck with me. I still have it. It's to God be the story. To God be the story. Clearly playing on the phrase, to God be the glory, which is a good thing to say. But I like this one because it reminds us that whenever we're having a great experience of God's grace in our lives, you know what we're doing? We're living out an episode of a larger story in which he's the main character and he's doing good things. And when we say to God be the story, it reminds us that our story is caught up in his story. And that's a really good story. And you've seen episodes on TV. There are some that are smaller, not as big of a deal. There are some that are more like the cliffhanger, the the climax of the season. We need both because it makes a good story. Church, we need the big movements of God to be told and the small movements of God to be told because... It makes a good story. More than that, it makes a beautiful and holy story. And that's why I love this phrase, to God be the story. The more we say to God be the story, the more we share our stories, the more we look for those contrasts of before and after, the more God is glorified and the more that others might be tempted to just get in on that story. The more others might say, you know, I could be a character in that story too. Because I've had moments like that too. I've had moments where, and there was a time when, and I knew somebody who, and it just goes from there. Because you start telling God stories, we'd be here all afternoon. Because we all have one, big or small. We all have many, big and small. Church, to God be the story. Great things he hath done. Great things he hath done in the small and the large. To God be the story. Great things he has done. Praise God for those before and afters. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txtandcontxt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txt. A-N-D-C-O-N-T-X-T dot com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.